Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jared Bailey from Laces Out. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. You don't got to pay anything to use Anchor. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome once again to the latest edition of Laces Out. Jared Bailey, Kurt Hamaser with you. And Kurt, some very promising news coming through the league yesterday. We've got training camp question mark, maybe? <laughs> it seems like, it seems like still, things are going through. It's still up in the air, but it is still very positive because it seems like we are trending towards a football season. Maybe not uh, preseason games, but it seems like training camp is happening. It seems like games are about to happen. So uh, we are inching ever so closely here. And to talk about everything going on around the great sport of football, we've got the always great Mike Tanier, the greatest goatee in the game right now. Mike, it's good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well, and I'm feeling optimistic, too. It's the most optimistic I've thought about an NFL season, probably since, like, right after the draft. <laughs> where it looked like we had COVID kind of under control. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and it's like, oh, this is going to be fine. And now we're in a much different situation. But the NFL seems to be muddling through and making some decent decisions that will get us uh, to, to be able to watch some games. Right. I, I, think, the- uh, I think a couple months ago, I was, uh, Jerry, you and I were talking and we were saying, yeah, we're looking good. We should be good by September, October. I think fans will be able to be there. I think we'll be all set. And uh, here we are in July. And we don't even know exactly how this season's going to end up. But uh, like I said, we are inching ever so closely. Yeah, that's more of, you know, a reason for everybody to wear a mask if you want football this season. Right. So if, if that's uh, something we can get across is wear a mask. But <laughs> on other promising news, no new tests coming from the NBA bubble. Um, NHL only had two positive tests. Baseball seems to be, you know, their exhibition games are going smoothly right now. So if that's a sign for things to come, then I think that's something positive we can take away. Um, but, yeah, players really came together on Twitter the other day, um, you know, and this combined just joint effort um, aiming at the NFL saying, we want to play, but we need to be protected. And then a day later, they get what they wanted, no preseason games. Um, like, you can correct me on the protocols, but it'll be daily testing for, I think, the first two weeks. And then you have to have multiple negative tests in terms of the, and, and it, to be able to enter the facilities, right? Yeah, there's going to be like a double testing, like you're going to be tested on day one and then day four. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way you get longitude on it. And no one's going into the building until day, the day one results are in. Um, and it's a rather complicated, staggered system. But it, what it boils down to is a lot of testing. And it's a lot of testing before you really do anything football related. And I would add to that because there was a report today, the NFLPA is, is periodically sending updates that there are 95 known positive tests in the NFL right now. So I don't know exactly what that number includes. Does it include Von Miller from, you know, May? Does it include Andre Whitworth from weeks ago? Or no matter what it's doing, it means that there's the, the more advanced two weeks out, one week out testing you do, the more information they get, the better armed you are walking in the door. I don't think uh, in colleges they didn't do this. They're like, hey, everybody come in, go to the dorms, then come down and get a swab. I mean, that's almost <laughs> the level of, of hard-headedness that they're operating at. This, it's like, you're gonna, we're going to spot positives coming in because these guys are in Texas, these guys are in Florida, these guys are 
all around the country where there's an out of control spread, there's asymptomatic spreaders everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna get them, we're gonna know about them before activities start. I think, I hope, obviously not, but most of these guys are asymptomatic, low symptomatic, they can come into work. And we should reach a point where there's no bubble, but there, you know, a point where you know the testing comes down to the point where they can go back to every other day or every third day, mm-hmm. et cetera, and that, there is, it, that there's not as high a risk in that population and they can play ball. Yeah, and it seems it seems like obviously these guys want to play. They want to get out there. We saw them all band together on Twitter, and yep. all they want is just to be safe. So if yeah. the NFL is doing their part and ensuring their safety, I don't see any reason why we can't have a, a season this year. Granted, I doubt, I highly doubt there will be fans there this year. But um, I mean, I don't know. I I'm hoping, I'm praying that we we don't see some some key name players start sitting out. Obviously. That's totally up to them. I right. can't blame them at all if they want to, but we just we want to see them play. But I don't know, Mike. Do you see possibly any any players wanting to sit out this year, even with these new protocols coming in? Because I we I saw Stefan Diggs. He was tweeting out a couple of days ago saying how he can't wait to get out there, but he's a little unsure about this season. He he wants to obviously make sure he's healthy, his family's healthy. So I don't know. Do do we start seeing maybe some players say no, maybe next year, but even with these new NFL uh, protocols? Well, uh, most of the guys I think are going to play. And I think there's elements to it. I, 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 all of us are like, well, I got to go back to work and I'm scared. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my wife's a teacher. That's going to be the reality come September. I want, you know, I want to go back to work, but I'm scared. And then most people will do it. Now, in terms of opting out for an NFL player, I don't, it's a year of your life when your career is maybe four or five years. It's a very difficult decision to make. If they make it with their conscience, absolutely. There may be some f- more fringe type of guys who are like more back of the roster guys who are looking at no preseason curtailed training camp. They might be, might say, well, why don't I take a gap year, go home, work out, and then maybe try my luck again next year and see if I can come in as an undrafted free agent and see if that works. Uh, so there may be some guys on that end. I would be surprised if we see, saw more than a small handful of players say, look, I'm not taking the risk. I haven't seen a lot of it in the NBA from what I understand, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard much of it about in baseball. I don't think we're going to see it in football. Yeah, and what, what is this preseason, you know, this year without preseason, what's that going to do for certain players? Because obviously, you know, any of the big-name players they see preseason as a waste of time, it's very much more of for the owners um, to, you know, it's kind of a money grab for the owners, and we understand that. But for these, you know, the guys who are trying to make, you know, the 52nd, the 53rd spot on the roster, what's it going to do for those types of guys? Or is maybe preseason a little bit overspun, and are the reps in practice or – um, you know, inner practice scrimmages, are those more important for coaches to kind of take a look at? They're, they're, you're going to see curtailed training camp work as well because they, they're going to spend weeks on conditioning at this point. And then they're going to get some practices. I anticipate the first game or two of the season, knock on wood that we see them, are going to have the quality of preseason games mm-hmm. to a degree. Or the example I like to use is those August 28th college football games where, oh, we're so excited. LSU is playing somebody across the country. LSU is playing Washington. And you watch it, and the final score is like nine to three or something like that. Because it's very messy and very rush on. And I think you'll see that. A, a bottom of the roster guys are going to be in trouble. I think back to 2011. Um, it was 2011 was when there was a lockout, mm-hmm. and nobody re- there was no OTAs. Everyone reported on July 28th, and it was like guys were out of shape there and everything. And it was a great time to be the fourth or fifth year vested veteran at the bottom of the roster who the coach knew. Yeah, <laughs> because he's the guy. Uh, I know you're going to be in condition for the season. You know the playbook. This is all chaos. We're keeping you. The undrafted rookie 
if he hustled around, make sure he could get his agent's phone number. That's what it's going boiled yeah. down to. There's going to be a lot of that. Now, there, there's ways this could work out. Like, oh, you know, Fauci pulls out his magical vaccine and saves everybody, and the XFL could come back and guys could wind up there. You know, or uh, another possibility is there's going to be there's going to be positive tests during the year, et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be a bunch of guys who showed up in camp. We're going to have like quick quick dial, uh, you know, and not only will they have quick dial, like they, they impress Belichick, Belichick will quietly put the word out and Flores will know and Vrabel will know and even, maybe even Patricia will know and, and, and get them. So there'll be things like that, but it will not be great for that bottom of the roster guys like, ooh, I got a real competition here to win that sixth linebacker job. It's going to be a real uphill battle. And besides just training camp too, I think, I mean, whole NFL teams are going to have problems with this because the team that comes to mind for me is the Miami Dolphins. Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins are coming in this year with possibly a new quarterback, new offensive yep. line, new pretty much everything on defense. And these guys aren't going to be able to play a preseason game together. They're only going to be, be being able to play each other. They're mm-hmm. not really going to be able to get that chemistry going. So, right. I mean, I didn't think that Miami was really going to maybe contend for a playoff spot. But now you really can't see that at all. You see that with even – you could even say with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has Tom Brady coming in, and yes, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it, but if he doesn't get that chemistry, that timing down with his, right. with his offense and his new wide receivers, they could be in some trouble too. Right, absolutely. Now, in the case of the Dolphins, it's like you stick to a in the NBA bubble and say, stay safe, just yeah. go and, and just punt on that. And then the other rookies, just get all, the, all these youngsters that you brought in and just put them out there and let them learn on the job because, again, that's the kind of year they're going to have. It's yeah. going to be a rebuilding year anyway. Keep, make sure nothing bad happens to the number one asset, which is to get them out there and play. You're right. The Brady situation, that's a whole different thing. You're going to bring Brady in. You're going to bring Gronk in. All they've been doing is Zoom meetings and, and stuff like that. And it's like, hey, week one, everybody ready to go. Yeah. High, high expectations. It's a great year. The, the 2011 championship, Super Bowl was the, the second time the Giants beat the uh, Patriots. Now, you know the Patriots had that elite continuity. Mm-hmm. And the Giants, uh, that was the Coughlin years. And I was, I was their beat writer for several weeks. Uh, and they were, bringing, they were bringing in all these uh, uh, guys who had been with them in 2007 or 2008, coming back in. All, all these guys who was like, it was a continuity situation. So, yeah, they wanted to go in 10 and 6, 11 and 5. That was the Eagles' dream team year when they tried to bring in like uh, mm, three yeah. different guys. And Namdi Asimwa, they were like, they <laughs> Castillo, the offensive line coach, and they made him a defensive coordinator. And it was pandemonium. And they were a mess. So it's going to reward continuity. Of course, who has the best continuity right now? Kansas State Chiefs pretty much bringing everybody back after winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The, the 2011 dream, though, was, Ronnie Brown, I think, was on that team. Yes. Vince Young came in. Asante mm-hmm. said, oh, man, that was yes. uh, such a f- – what could have been for the Philadelphia Eagles that year. <laughs> but besides, you know, everything going on with COVID, we do have, you know – Hopefully football to talk about. And uh, yeah. there are a lot of teams that are getting a lot of hype for their moves in the offseason. One that Kurt and I have been talking back and forth about is you know, a lot of people seem to be higher on the Carolina Panthers than we are. I look around, I see an extremely young defense. They want all defense in the draft, so they're going to be looking at these new guys to be you know, key contributors, whether it be Derek Brown, Etor Grossmatos, Troy Pride. Any of those guys are going to be playing key roles on that defense. A new quarterback, they don't really have a legit number. I mean, you could probably put DJ Moore in that number one slot. Robbie Anderson is a number two. Offensive line still kind of a question mark. I'm not high on Carolina. Kurt, I know you're not high on Carolina. Mike, where do you sit with the Panthers? Well, I'm racing right now to get the Carolina Panthers. I have my copy, my almost advanced copy of Football Outsiders Almanac. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to give you some of the projections here. Carolina Panthers projection 5.7 wins, uh, which sounds high to me. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Honestly, yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, I know, I know the Football Outsiders projection system. They do 10,000 simulations, and everything smushes towards the middle a little bit when you do that. So, like, the best team in the league will have a projection. I don't have the Chiefs in front of me, but I bet it's, like, 10.1 wins or, you know, or whatever. So 5.7 means bad team, a 33% chance of zero to four wins. Uh, that's what you got there. Yeah, you talk about hype for them. I don't know if it's so much hype about how good this season is going to be or hype about the idea that you've got Matt Rule, you've got Teddy Bridgewater, and the program has changed over and there's enthusiasm for, for a rebuild. Yeah, because that's a very different thing when you look at a team well, I, I think the Cardinals last year were a great example. Like, no one thought the Cardinals were going to compete with oh, Cliff Kingsbury and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and Kyler Murray. I can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, so there's a little bit of this. People are excited about rule to a degree. There, uh, Brady, the offensive coordinator coming up from LSU, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's somebody they like. And there's so many new faces. So, I mean, I'll say this about it. I look at their, um, their, their skill positions. I, I kind of slept on DJ Moore last year. He caught like 9,000 passes or something like that. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. He, he, he was a phenomenal like possession receiver. Not, not just he could go deep too, but it's like he gobbled up every short slant, every out, everything else like that. Uh, you obviously have Anderson who's a deep threat now. Samuel, I think we all know, nifty, shifty guy. Uh, he had a pretty good year last year. And he got Christian McCaffrey. That's a lot of talent that was stuck with Kyle Allen and that other kid last <laughs> year. I think they can be fun to watch. I think Bridgewater's going to be a little, doing his little – Dip, 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 dip to these guys letting them make plays in space. That probably still, probably still six and ten, five and eleven. But it'll be a fun to watch, different kind of Panthers team. DJ oh. Moore, eighty-seven catches, almost twelve hundred yards last year for the Panthers. So he had, he had a solid year. A quiet. Yeah, I'm, year. A, I'm on. I'm on Panthers radio during the season once a week, <laughs> like talking Panthers. And I had no idea he was having this kind of season <laughs> because you tune out like, oh well. So Kyle Allen is he the answer? Like, haha, yeah, Kyle Allen's is the answer. That's good. Good thinking, guys. <laughs> You know, that, and, and like, so you, oh, and he, but he did throw 11 passes for 115 yards to DJ Moore. Yeah. I, I missed that part, you know? Yeah, well, because Jared and I were talking, and I, I had some conversations with people on Twitter because uh, Bill Barnwell uh, posted his top five offenses, offensive arsenals in the league. And it goes as followed the Chiefs number one, Browns number two, Dallas Cowboys number three, Tampa Bay four, and Carolina sitting at five. Now, I don't know if I – no, I do know. I do know that I don't believe in that because I don't think Carolina should be top five. I think the easy answer there is you swap out and put Baltimore in the top five because with uh, the offensive weapons that they have in Baltimore, you can't tell me that they're better than – they're better right now than Carolina. I don't think Carolina has a top 20 quarterback in this league. So, hey, Kurt, I want to – okay, so we know how great Lamar Jackson is. I'll give you that much. But outside of Lamar, what do they have on offense? Because Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst – well, Hayden Hurst is gone now. Receiver-wise, they got Hollywood Brown. They don't throw the ball enough to receivers in that offense. They were last in attempts to receivers in the – or receptions by receivers in the offense last year. So, I mean, you got Hollywood Brown, you got Mark Andrews, and then it's a lot of ground and pound. But Marshall Yonda's gone now too. So – I'm going to agree with you that it's better than Carolina. Right. But in terms of the outside perimeter weapons, I think I might give the edge to Carolina solely off of their weapons on the outside. Fair. It's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, there's nothing at tight end for the Panthers. I'm assuming Arsenal does not mean the quarterback, but the Arsenal is the guys 
the supporting right. cast of the quarterback. So, so that's what I would go to there. And the, the, the diversity of the guys, I can see where, where Bill is coming at there. I see, you know, there is no tight end. I think, you're, I think there's like a, a Curtis Samuel cult out there. I mean, I know he's fun to watch. He's good. But show, show me something that's not like, uh, you know, your basic weak T Percy Harvin routine here yeah. before you put him up in that. I, I'd give you one as an arsenal. I'll put one up right now. The Steelers arsenal. Okay. Oh, I can listen to you talk about this all day, Mike. You go off. <laughs> uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think we know what he's capable of. He was the team MVP two years ago. James Washington, incredible speed. Deontay Johnson, I know he was a draft, uh, draft Nick favorite last year he had a pretty decent season considering the fact that he had duck hodges and and, and mr slur uh throwing the ball to him for most of the year I uh, and he's a good deep threat chase claypool i really like a lot i consider him a pretty much a tight end yeah. uh but you know he's a wide receiver who has like four he's like the dk metcalf this year uh where he's going to run in a straight line and catch some short passes they got eric ebram now they got eric ebram at tight end with vance mcdonald uh, and, and they have that stable of running backs. They don't have a super speedster at running back. They got all those kind of like power guys at running back. But, you know, Samuels is that kind of multi-purpose guy. You, you have Connor, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a heck of an arsenal there. Yeah. And it's something that if you look at last year's stats, they don't look good because you saw they had Heckle and Jekyll throwing the ball to them. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, Kurt. Here's I'll, the... I'll, throw one, I'll throw one more at you. The Arizona Cardinals right now. We have Fitzgerald and Hopkins and yeah. Mook. As you're one to Christian Kirk's a good little ball player, but you know, again, Samuels is a good ball player. Christian Kirk's pretty good. Yeah. They're not that far apart. I don't see this like quantum difference between them. They've got some depth there, and you got Kenyon Drake in the backfield, who's a heck of a ball player out of the backfield. So there's a lot of good arsenals out there. I, I, I don't mind the number one, two, three very much, but yeah, the five was an interesting choice. Hey, Kurt, here's the thing we talk about your Buffalo Bills a solid amount. My Pittsburgh Steelers are getting. I think it's pretty 50-50 in the media. Either they're putting him at 4-12 and 12 and saying that, oh, Yukon Cornelius Roethlisberger's done for, <laughs> or they're, they're putting him, you know, like Adam Rank, making him 13-3 and three in the number one seed in the, the AFC. So when it comes – now, Kurt knows as much as anybody. Uh, and you know from our Twitter exchange the other day, I've been kind of low on Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> solely based off of comparing to what Deontay Johnson did leading all rookies and catches last year to Juju's production. I know he dealt with injuries and whatnot. Um, I, he's got to prove it a lot this year. And uh, I think it's a proven year for both him and James Conner, both of which who dealt with injuries and had vast decreases in their production last year. So it'll be interesting to see how they come together. I was heartbroken when they didn't select J.K. Dobbins um, for Chase Claypool at first. Um, but I've slowly come around to the idea of having him, you know, kind of play that, um, that role as kind of a wide receiver slash tight end. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. And let's not forget about their incredible defense with, you know, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree coming back on the franchise tag, Mika back there. Kurt, go, go off, buddy. I'll, I'll let I, you go I ahead. I would say this. No, because, you know, I, I am with you on the Steelers. I think that um, – Right. I think they're, they're an extremely talented team. But could we say that possibly the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers are somewhat in the same boat? Now, hear me out because elite defense, both teams have an okay. elite defense. Both teams have great offensive pieces, but this season just comes down to the quarterback. Big Ben does. proven, you know, legend, but we don't know how he's going to come back off that injury. We don't know if he's going to be the Big Ben of old. And then the Buffalo Bills, we don't know how Josh Allen is going to develop anymore. He could not develop at all, and we could be in some big trouble. Or he could develop and be MVP. I don't know. I'll say this. Big Ben's going to hit the, the field with the strength of a thousand men and lightning will shoot from <laughs> his ass and the Pittsburgh Steelers will All right, be, you heard will be just thing. fine. Yeah. All right, Mike, I'll give, give us your take on kind of everything in Buffalo because I know Kurt is, 
I mean, I'm high on Buffalo this year. I know Kurt's obviously going to be high on Buffalo. Uh, when it comes to Josh Allen, that seems to be the overwhelming question. How is he going to keep progressing? He progressed solid last year. Accuracy still question mark. What do you see from Josh Allen this year? Yeah, you know, you started out with the Steelers, and I'll tell you the football outsiders uh, on the Steelers is very boomer bust. You know, one of the great things about football outsiders is you can put one projection in for going like 12 and four and another for going for four and 12. I mean, like, well, you know, they have a high percentage of either along the way because mm-hmm. Roethlisberger could go out there and his arm is done and he's, you know, 383 pounds, or he could go out there <laughs> you know, eating, eating lightning and crapping thunder, as you suggested. So <laughs> I, I think it's more of a mush in the middle in that the, the Bills have demonstrated that, like, with Josh Allen as this sort of Madden creative player running around out there with 99 mm-hmm. arm strength and 99 uh, truck rating and nothing else uh, – <laughs> You know, they, 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 can, they can do that in 10 win thing because they, they got the infrastructure there. And I, I personally don't have a, a, a high degree of uh, faith that he's going to pro- progress beyond being Joe Flacco. Oh, uh, you know, well, okay. okay. I mean, I'll take an MVP of a Super Bowl. I, right. I'll take that. MVP of a Super Bowl starter for many, many years. Somebody who uses arm strength to be effective for teams yeah. that a good defense. <clears throat> yeah. so that's, I, don't, I don't have a, a sense that he's going to move beyond that because he's started a lot of games at this point, and that's kind of what we've seen. And the things that he's not good at are things that I think it takes a while to get better at, and it's kind of 50-50 on that. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the Football Outsiders projection here. They're at 7.9 wins for the Bills. So that's uh, postseason yeah. odds, 43.4%. 43% chance to make in the postseason. That's low, but they, they did redo all the calculations the moment Cam Newton got signed. So they, mm. it might have been, you know, 51.2, and then they had to redo everything, and you're right in the same division, et cetera. Mm. And uh, – the chances of being a Super Bowl contender for the Bills is 16%. And the chances of them being on the clock at 0-4, 0-4 wins is 11%. Wow. So they're really mushed. Well, that's big. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, for the, for the, by the way, the, the chance of being a Super Bowl contender for the uh, Steelers was up at around 30%. Oh, okay. The, bigger, uh, than, bigger than I expected it to be. It was bigger than teams like the 49ers. It's bigger than the Patriots. Interesting. Uh, now, the, 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 percentages, the percentages in the NFC are different because like a dozen different contenders. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with – I mean, what do you put into the Patriots and Cam Newton? Because when it comes to Buffalo or New England, I'm still taking Buffalo in that division solely based off the fact that, one, who do they have at receiver? Don't tell me Julian Edelman because he was – if you see my pinned tweet, you know how I feel about Julian Edelman. I – well, who's they got? You know, the New England media wants him to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know they do. <laughs> him and Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater has to be in the yeah, Hall. Yeah, he's right. great. He's the greatest special teams player ever, right? Right, right, right. He has to come before Steve Tasker, who obviously yeah. was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His spiritual uh, uncle. Uh, <laughs> but by the way, the the, the the New England media, if you want, if you ever get really in the headspace, and I've sat between these guys, at, you know, in the press box, and it's it's an otherworldly, out of body experience. Uh, Brady has declined because he doesn't have enough weapons, and also Edelman's a Hall of Famer. Interesting, yeah. Interesting. It really balances out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you, you flick the knob either way you want to go, depending on whose uh, who's butt you want to kiss for access. Uh, but um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Uh, you're, you're right. The, the, the Patriots. I, I don't know who's going to throw the ball to. Yeah. You know, they say, well, Edelman. Yeah, Edelman is fading. Edelman drops a lot of passes at this point. Edelman was like uh, had the mental uh, connection with Brady, and that's going to be gone. Cam doesn't like throw the little 
underneath guys a lot. That's not a lot of mm. his games. Well, here's the thing. If if Bill needs another small white guy to throw to, I'll have to talk to my advisor here at Slippery Rock, but I think I might be able to make some sort of some sort of connection and, and get there. But yeah. defensively, as, defensively as well, Mike, I mean, I would still take Buffalo. Uh, you know, Stephon Gilmore's great. We know that. But Tredavious White isn't far off behind him. I think he's the second or third best corner in football. You're welcome, Kurt Homiser. And then that front seven, Ed Oliver, um, Edmonds, I mean, they've got a very good defense. And I think that front seven-wise, it's not really much of a competition with New England. I think the Bills are better. And then Trey White and everybody in the secondary for Buffalo, I think they have a better overall secondary. Yeah, it's, it's nip and tuck on the defense. I could go back and forth on that. Offensive personnel-wise, you know, even though, you know, now the Patriots have Cam and, 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 uh, and the Bills have Cam extra, extra light, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I still probably extra. Player, player for player, I would probably go with the Bills there. And then you have to go for that coaching factor along the way. You give the coaching factor is a big factor you put in the Patriots, but how, how mm. big do you do it? This is an example of rarely do, would I – like when there's no, there's no preseason, I will not be able to see anything. I will not be able to see preseason games. Mm. I'm traveling the camps. There's no way they're going to let me in any camps as an outsider. It's not one of the five poor <laughs> guys. You just care about the Patriots. I wouldn't go bother seeing the Patriots. I don't need to see the Patriots have all their undirected rookies running around out there in shirts uh, with, with the numbers this big so you can't read them. Uh, you know, I want to see this Patriots team before I say, oh, yeah, there's another Patriots team. Belichick's a genius. They're going to go pass the Bills. I'd want to see them in the preseason. I need to see some of these young players. I need to see some of these young receivers. I need to see them do something in the preseason. I'm not going to do that. In light of that, I think I will lean toward the Bills right now because they do have all that continuity. Mm. That no matter what happens, they're coming in with, a, you know, mostly guys that they recognize and a few guys like Diggs that you should be able to insert without too much trouble. And, and they know who they are. Right now, the Patriots don't know who they are because they don't have the number one guy on top, and he's coming in from injuries and everything else like that. And I don't know what Cam Newton we're really going to say. And, uh, I mean, that's how we, we started the show with this talk. I mean, they, these teams that come in that don't have the continuity, that don't have the, the, the connection right away are really going to struggle to start this season. I mean, we, we can even stay in the, NFC, or the AFC East, but we can talk about the Jets because, Jared, I know, I know you have a secret love crush with the Jets for some reason. I don't know why, but they're kind of in the same boat here too because they come in, they got Sam Darnold coming off of a, a decent year. And he's got new weapons to work with that he's not going to be able to build a connection with. He loses Robbie Anderson. That defense has new pieces coming in and out. So, I don't know, Mike, where, where do you kind of stick them, not even in their division, but maybe just in the AFC? Do you put them middle, middle of the pack or what? Uh, they're also coached by a ninny, and that's going to be a big <laughs> – Yeah. Like, when you've got guys coming in, especially in this situation where it's not an ideal situation, guys are coming in with all these different mentalities, and they might be afraid of COVID and things like that. And you've got Mr. I left my wife, uh, uh, you know, in the, the, on, the, on a table for her C-section or whatever he did. I don't know the exact story. When you've got this nitwit running things, it's going to get ugly there. Yeah, so, uh, uh, seriously. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm also stalling a little bit because I'm looking up the Jets' projection. Now, here's the thing. This is going to surprise you. The Jets' projection, Football Outsiders Almanac, available now. You go to, just Google it. You'll, you'll find it. 7.4 wins for the Jets. Oh. Postseason odds, 35.9%. Okay. okay. Now, yeah. Now, the reason for this is mostly schedule, 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 plus their defense. Their defense projects well, has some very strong elements to it last year, has some good personnel there. If they can improve their pass rush, it's, it's a good defense. I'm going to read what, uh, what whoever wrote this chapter said. 
A surprisingly, a surprisingly good defense may not matter if the third-year quarterback can't take a big leap forward. That's right. The Jets are now the poor man's Buffalo Bills. Whoa. Oh, okay. Poor man's Buffalo Bills. Okay, oh, here's the Buffalo thing. Bills. Here's the thing about Sam Darnold. The man, first of all, he had freaking mono to start last season. What are the odds of that? So they stick Trevor Simeon in there, which, I mean, he's the – is there any worse quarterback in the league right now other than those two schmucks that you mentioned for Pittsburgh earlier <laughs> that are worse than Trevor Simeon? And so, didn't, he, and didn't he only last, like, one game? Didn't he get the ankle injury in that Yeah, Miles Garrett broke his ankle in yeah. half and bent it backwards in every uh. possible way. So – Sam Darnold last year as a starter, 7-6, and six, 62% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, pass rating of 84. So, here's the thing. I think that we're way too low on Sam Darnold, especially when you look at the fact that he had zero offensive line help. Robbie yep. Anderson was his number one, and he's more of a number two deep threat. They bring in Denzel Mims. They draft Mekhi Becton, hopefully to give Le'Veon Bell a little bit more protection to open up the running game and have him go off in the passing game as well. Defensively, you know, the Tremaine Johnson signing, that was a horrible signing to begin uh, with. They had, had great intentions. It looked good at the start, and now he's no longer with the team. C.J. Mosley dealt with injuries last year. Still have Quinn and Williams at nose tackle. I mean, they drafted him third overall a few years ago, and he was you know, expected to be one of the best players, if not the best player in that draft. So, you know, defensively, they're, I think they're okay. Um, it all comes down to what happens with Jamal Adams and why, you know, Joe Douglas, of all people, wouldn't want to pay him. Um, but in terms of the quote-unquote nitwit who does – lead them at the moment you know in his introductory press conference he looked like he saw COVID before anybody else with his with his his big eyes so yeah that's the that's the one thing that holds me back on is Adam Gase we talked to Matt Verderam about this you know a few weeks ago and he said basically the same thing that you're saying is that as long as Adam Gase is there the, the Jets probably won't get too far it's two problems one is the interpersonal relationship problem he's not good at that and secondly, his system is not really good. His system will turn everybody into Ryan Tannehill. So, mm -hmm. like, the, and I'm not telling you the old Tannehill, you know. So, he's going to turn Sam Darnold into third and 15, throw that shallow cross underneath the Jameson Crowder for four yards and go punt. And, and you know, and, and that's – it holds the quarterback back and it limits them. When the young quarterback starts doing that and doing that, they turn into Trevor Simeon, you know, or they, or they turn into, uh, you know, a, a don't lose the game by it. And for, and for all of us – Falls, Josh Allen is let her rip, go for broke, throw it deep, try to truck five guys, and it works to a degree. It, it works to have a little bit of a higher volatility uh, within reason. Uh, you know, you don't want to just toss the ball in the air in a playoff game, too. Uh, but but th that's the two elements of Gates that are at work there. And I think the interpersonal thing is part of the Jamal Adams thing. I think there's money, but I think there's from, from last year, there's been sort of a rub the wrong way. Gates is somebody who, who is almost like somebody on the message board. He, find, he finds fault with the star player. And there are coaches with NGMs with that mentality. If we're not doing well, it must be the star player's fault. It's his shortcoming somewhere. That's the kind of thing you expect to see on the subreddit, but it, it permeates that thinking. If you look at the history of those Dolphins teams, that's the way he was. It wasn't like that with Peyton, because it's Peyton. You know better than that. Mm. All right? but, but, with, but since then, I think that's what's going on, that all this is going to fall on Adams, it's going to fall on Darnold. The guys are supposed to be the team of the franchise. And I, I don't buy the seven and nine, no matter how easy the schedule is, because there's a fox in the hen house in terms of <laughs> – who, who, who calls the shots? we got a little less than 10 minutes left, so we'll head over to Dallas and the NFC East. Dak Prescott doesn't seem like he'll get that long-term deal. He'll be playing this year on the franchise tag. Where are you on Dak Prescott in terms of his productivity this year? Um, I know me and Kurt have talked about this. He knows I'm not very high on it. I like Carson Wentz a lot more than I like Dak. What are your thoughts? Well, it's not a zero-sum game. You know, they can both throw for 5,000 yards or whatever. Mm. Uh, 
you know, and I, the, the the Prescott versus Wentz thing, I just want to bury my head. You know, I, <laughs> I, I I grew up on Brady versus Manning and all these other. Things. I didn't grow up on my my career grew up on it, and it's mm-hmm. silly. It's ridiculous. It's circular arguments. I, I look at I, I look at Dak Prescott and I look at Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb right off the top of the bat, and a great offensive line, even with Frederick gone. And like th- this is a great opportunity to succeed. I think he's going to have a heck of a year. Um, and the, w- Wentz is different. Wentz has got different weapons. He's got you know less established weapons, new guys, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the tools are really in place for Prescott to succeed. I don't see these huge weaknesses and flaws in Dak Prescott's ga- game. He is a very good young quarterback the way lots of very good young quarterbacks are. He can nitpick this, nitpick that. This is what a franchise quarterback in the NFL looks like if he's not Patrick Mahomes. He looks like Dak Prescott. So that's all that in there. In terms of the contract, I've also – I think I've written more words on that contract situation than anyone should in their right mind. And the Cowboys don't know what they're doing. The Cowboys don't know what they're doing. They're going to – this is the Kirk Cousins route. They're going to overpay Dak for a couple of years for the right to overpay him in the future. This is something they should have taken care of a year ago. If they, if they really wanted to play games with him, they should have drafted somebody. Uh, they should have drafted, you know, they should have drafted Jalen Hurts if they really wanted to mess around uh, with Prescott moving forward, and they didn't. So you know, he's their franchise quarterback. I think he can be successful. I want to see what McCarthy and Moore do together. But, like, the, of all the questions I might have about the Cowboys, Prescott is not one of them. Well, they, they do have uh, Andy Dalton in there just in case, which is not a bad backup option. But, I mean, I think – I think to struggle on that Dallas offense, you really need to try. You really need to try with the weapons that he has on that offense and the offensive line. So, I mean, I, I think, I think they're, they could very well be a playoff team. It comes down to that defense for them. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too high on deck, but I also do think that he's a very he's – a, he's a good franchise quarterback. And I, I think Dallas, if they can get that contract done, they should be in, in decent hands for, for the next coming years here. Right. And if they didn't, again, if they did not think that, you know, all these things that you'll be like, well, you know, he can't do A and he can't do B and he can't do C and he's not worth the money. If you organizationally think that, it's up to you to get the replacement lined up. Yeah. Right. Washington, I'm so glad I don't have to say their name anymore. Uh, <laughs> Washington did not do it with Cousins. They were obviously hemming and hawing over Cousins' quality, yeah. which I think was legit in Cousins' case. Did you ever draft a rookie quarterback? No. Did you try to find, you know, grab your Teddy Bridgewater type of guy or, or somebody like that along the way to try rebuilding? No. They just <laughs> noodled along. And, like, and that's what the Cowboys did. Yeah, Andy Dalton, whatever. You're noodling along and saying, we don't have any other plan, but we're not going to pay this guy. There's no logic to that. By the way, Cowboys projection, 8.8 wins. That's a playoff projection. 57.4% chance of making the playoffs. And uh, I might be able to pull the Eagles up in a moment, but not right this second. <laughs> Well, you know how I feel about the old Wentz discussion, Kurt. I mean, he was thrown to practice squad receivers down the stretch, yeah. made Boston Scott and Miles Sanders look like superstars, which, I mean, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders is a solid backfield duo in its own self. But when he's thrown to – I can't even remember the name of the receivers that he was thrown to. Um, for, <laughs> I, I know one of them's last name was Davis. He was a call-up from the practice squad. There, Zach Ertz dealt with his own injuries. I mean, it was a train wreck for the final four games in which they won all four of them, including a game against the Cowboys to seal the division. So I, mm-hmm. I think that – in terms of, I get that it's an annoying argument to have because you know these aren't you know the the, the upper echelon. I think that you know the, the argument comes down to um, who can win in that division. And once has done it, he did it last year with far less talent around him. Right. And I think it's all true. And everything that's said about the the weapons, by the way, Alshon, but very little of Alshon Aguilar. Ha ha ha. 
Uh, Craig Ward, who was a practice squad, who was a rock star in July every year. Mm-hmm. He showed it. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, a, a draft binky. Maybe he'll come around Ugh. next year. Matt Collins, who did not want to um, play. He wants to be a special teamer. He wants to be Matthew Slater uh, and was kind of mad that he was out there. Um, uh, Jordan Matthews, who they keep forgetting that the, his, his key fob to shut it off, and he keeps sneaking into the building. Uh, Ertz, Goder, and then there's like, and then it gets weird after that. So yeah, I mean, those were the weapons. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I think the injury thing is somewhere between overblown and yes, he he's injured frequently. Mm. <laughs> a situation. So was Matthew Stafford, and then he's been a, he was an yeah. Iron Man for like seven years. So. Yeah. But but yeah, it's it's too much of it is it's a zero sum game where it's all about I got to denigrate the other guy. I'm like, what are you right. talking about? The young quarterbacks of the NFL, denigrate them all, and then you'll hate football and go watch hockey. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's right. <laughs> he is Mike Tanier, one of the very best in the business. I know you wanted to plug Football Outsiders Almanac, so where can they find that at? You can find that on the Football Outsiders website. I believe it will be available on Amazon soon, soon enough. Easiest thing to do is load up your browser, type in Football Al- Al- Outsiders Almanac 2020. It will take you to whoever's selling it, including uh, Football Outsiders itself. It's Hundreds of pages. I wrote four chapters this year. Uh, you know, Aaron Schatz, a lot of the big rock stars of the analytics field are in there. Stats, analysis, fantasy advice. There's going to be a fantasy football season this year. We're going to have it, which means you're Cheers. going to need to be ready for a draft, and you can get the Kubiak ratings uh, and, and other information you need in this. Absolutely essential for any football fan. Football Outsiders Almanac 2020 on sale now. Mike, we always appreciate your wisdom. Thank you once again for coming on, and we'll definitely have you on in the future. Always appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Take care, guys. And folks, if you want to watch football, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, wear your masks. Yes, sir. Thanks, Mike. You got it, guys. All right. All right. And how much time we got left on that timer, Kurt? Just about two minutes and five seconds. All right. So that gives us just enough time. First of all, one of the funniest guests we get on. I love Mike Every so time. much. Every time. So always a good guest to have on. High on your Buffalo Bills, which is always good to hear, and high on my Pittsburgh Steelers. So we really hit the double in terms of uh, our, our two squads and giving them love. That he did. Mike is always a great guest. Uh, we, we bring some good guests on the show, not to brag, but uh, we, got, we got some good guests hopefully coming up here. Um, with training camp getting underway, maybe we can get some more players on, get some more analysts mm-hmm. on and uh talk some football because we are very close very close. we are very very close players reporting within the coming week rookies report i believe today rookies today, report yeah. to camp so their first so i mean today, so we're, we're getting closer to football and it seems more and more likely that that is what's going to happen kurt where they can, where can they find you on twitter they can find me at kurt k-u-r-t homicer h-a-u-m-e-s-s-e-r 88 and jared where can they find you Jay Bailey NFL on Twitter and stay tuned. You'll, you know, you'll see us both tweet the link for the show and uh, upcoming news for the show in the future. So as always, thanks for listening. Laces out for Kurt Hamaser. I'm Jared Bailey. We'll catch you in the next one. See ya. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.